Well, ladies and gentlemen, sitting to my right, <laughs> he is the voice of baseball <laughs> in Boston. Nice. When this guy speaks on baseball, everyone listens. It's our friend and yours, Lou Merloni. Hello, Lewis. How are you guys? Uh, we are uh, we are great. And you were a Red Sox player. Yeah. What is the Jimmy Fund? A couple of days where everything is tailored to the Jimmy Fund. You are inside the clubhouse. You're from here. You understand the enormity of all of this. But you also experienced it as a player. And guys on the outside who were like, Hey, Lou, tell me about this. Just kind of walk us through the baseball culture meeting with the Jimmy Fund. Yeah, I think most of the guys that come into the organization kind of are aware of it out of the gate, right? Or they, when, when this comes up, they're sort of like, okay, tell me the history of it. I grew up here, you know, so as a player here, we used to go over, you know, a lot and then got involved here in this Jimmy Fund. I mean, I think 2008 was the first time I was on this telethon with Big O, you know, pop it in for like a day. So it's been almost 15 years for me. So growing up here, I knew what it was all about. But, you know, when you're 25, 26, in the big leagues you're still young as you get older you start cancer starts affecting you in many ways right loved ones and everything else when you're young I didn't experience it all that much to be honest with you it's me and my family but when you get older and especially when you have kids everything just sort of hits home so I know you guys going at it here today God bless you you know I think this is an amazing thing I said I've been part of it with you guys for a while so this is a great two days raise a ton of money I know it's not easy Kind of sitting here for four hours listening to some of these patients and just everything, wrapping your head around it. But it is a, one of the most important two days for this station. You know, Fort Nesson doing the same thing. So it's, I commend you guys for coming back on in. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy because you were definitely have been involved. Because I remember the first time I um, got the opportunity to be part of it with you guys. I remember like you were just like you know the wily old vet. You know, like, uh, you know, this is what happens. This is what you do. And, like, and I don't think no, you, you can give somebody as much information as possible. There's yeah. really no way of kind of explaining unless you kind of are able to do it and see all these stories. And is there, was, there, was there a story or a situation that, you know, that stands out to you, you know, like, the, you know, an experience, uh, I don't know, uh, somebody that we interviewed? Because I remember there was just there's been so many people. Um, that we have talked to. I'm probably putting you on the spot right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as like individual. Or something that just stands out. Maybe it's just the the the, the advancement in technology, I think, I think that's, maybe. that's probably the biggest thing. I remember every time you guys do, I know you guys are probably talking to doctors, and it's you talk about all these like success stories. And then you ask the simple question, five years ago, is this a success? And they say, absolutely not. Ten years ago, no. You know what I mean? So from the beginning of when you're sitting here talking to doctors and patients and what they go through, to where we are now, and we still, they still have obviously haven't figured everything out, and this is why it's so important. But the advances that they have made, you know, this child sitting next to me wouldn't be here 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, without the money, without the fundraising, without the research, without the doctors. And, and it's just, it, it's kind of mind-blowing, you know, to think about how far we have come in 5 or 10 years. And it's actually, you know, encouraging to think maybe where it can go. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing. Where can this thing go? How much of a more people can we save that can live a normal life? I, I, it really hit me, I think, when I had my kid and we started doing this. You know, then you start seeing the young kids and it's just like, oh, my, it's mind-blowing and puts everything in perspective and you just sort of, uh, for two days, you're in awe of the doctors and the research that they're putting in. One of the takeaways for me is the fact that a guy like Roger Clemens, who was here yeah. in the 80s, is still connected and doing things with the Jimmy Fund, and that it sort of it, it touches you as a player, and it's not the, you know, it doesn't always have to be the superstar, but if you come through the organization and you go to Dana Farber and you're a part of 
the couple of days of the Jimmy Fund, it feels like even for guys that leave the organization, and look, a guy like Clemens, he doesn't have to give anybody the right. time of day, but he does. And it sort of lets you know that deep connection and how it affects players regardless of where they're from or what even what country they're well, from. Well, it's impossible not to yeah. feel that way, right? And you talk about some of the great moments. I used to love our trips over there. Yeah. You know, and we'd spend the day and we'd meet all these kids and they would come at you on the show. We'd see them a month or two later, whenever or weeks later, whenever it was. So you're a player and you're out here, and believe me, there's been many times when a lot of the guys will tell you, you know, they, maybe they're going through a tough time on the field. You know, they're not swinging or they're getting hit left and right. And they take a trip over and they meet these kids and you walk out of there and you're just like – what am I worried about? Right. You know, and I think that hits everybody. Most of these guys who play, most of the athletes come through have kids, have families. So it's just sort of you walk in there and it's like, how do you not want to continue to give? How do you not want to continue to just be involved in some way? And I think that's kind of like the feeling most of the guys have. It's, it's almost impossible not to. What about the Red Sox, Lou? Oh, what well, you like the that Red game? Sox? Well, I mean, Altuve oh. with the cycle and that whole thing. It was thing. like that Fourier was, like, was throwing batting practice. I mean, that's yesterday. what it kind of felt wow. like. Have they let go of the rope? Well, they did last night. No, but overall, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. I think it, it, if what would tell you that they've kind of given up on their uh, and or the realization that has hit them that maybe they can't reach the playoffs, that they can't get that wild. They card have spot. been just walking on that line now for some time. I mean, let's face it. They were, since that Toronto sweep, it is sort of like one more of those and it's over. You know, you can't get in where they are now, five games out. Now, they'll have an opportunity because they're playing a team in front of them to win the next two and to sit there and say, okay, with three out, we got through this stretch five and five that everybody's like, okay, that's kind of like where maybe you can be. So it's still there. They still have games to play. It's just you just can't survive when every single one of your starters goes four innings. You just you can't do it. You know, Sale and Hauk are coming back, pitch pitch counts, and Paxton all of a sudden is going five for four, rather, every single time. And, you know, Crawford, you're hoping to get five, and then you're trying to figure out how Pavetta can pitch and where he fits in. So it's just – you just start running out. And last night you're sitting there saying, okay, you got the eighth and ninth covered. How do we get there? And when your starter goes four and two-thirds, I, you know, Byraclaw was there for a reason. And once it got to like eight to four, whatever that score was, it was in, like, right? well, what are we going to do, bring in – Am I going to push Winkowski now? I didn't want to pitch him in the first place. Or Schreiber, so he just he just wore it. But missed opportunity. They should have crushed that kid, Javier. I saw him in Houston. He's got nothing. He's got absolutely nothing. Well, the they guy, let him off the hook twice. Well, a guy who does have something is Brian Bayo is going tonight. Yeah. And, and a lot like his last start, Lou, in a spot where it's okay – Number one starters go out and give you six or seven innings tonight. Take the pressure off the bullpen, but more importantly, take the pressure off the offense as well. And I don't want to say these are like the Pedro starts because I hate going to the Pedro comparison with Brian Bayo, but regardless, whomever the name of the number one starter would be, yeah. this is a moment where number one starter tonight grabs the ball and gives you seven and helps you win. And he had that in Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, that night in Houston, and that's the thing, like this – this bullpen, people are like, how could you just give up on that game? It's like because they've pushed other ones. They've had to push other ones. He had that start in Houston where the only guys available, I think, were Jovera and Schreiber. Mm -hmm. That was it. If he went out and gave you four, I don't know what they would have done. Luckily, they had the 11 nothing lead. Yeah, and they jumped all over him, and it's still like, listen, he still has to give them six. Yep. They don't have enough pitching to get through this game. This thing, even though it was 11 to one, and he went out and gave you seven. And that's the thing. Sometimes, and I understand. Listen, I was pissed too. The guy was still out there, and I'm like, "What are we doing?" You know. But if they're in that spot, and it's because why can't you just keep pushing these guys? It's because they have been. Mm -hmm. You know, Winkowski's thrown more than anybody. Pavetta started on a Sunday and came in on a on a Wednesday night 
to pitch an inning in relief. He just started on Sunday on two days rest. He pitched relief. And it was like, why not pitch him? Well, because he's a starter and he's pitched twice in four days. Like it doesn't fight, you know, it doesn't add up. They have been, be- they have been pushed. And again, now, now tonight, you would think everybody's available. Right, but, you would think so. But, but hopefully Bayo goes to seven, so it gives them another, you know, pitching three out of four days, two out of three days, they add up. And if you can avoid using guys, he can give you seven tonight, that'd be huge. Hey, Pavetta didn't like the role change. He's been vitally yeah. important yeah, to this team money. this year. He's yeah. been really good. That's a guy that you got to keep around, I and think. The other day, when he came in when Jansen got hurt. Remember that game, yeah. one inning? And it was, I think that, and, and this is what I love about the guy, is like I think as they... When he got hurt, Pavetta was in the bullpen. Again, started five innings on Sunday, Wednesday night, got up, and was basically like, I'm going in. You know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of attitude. So, they, they have been extending themselves. But to pitch two days rest after throwing five innings the night before, then he came out the next night, a few days later, and gave you more innings, three innings, it's like, yeah, and, and he's done it. He's been amazing out in that bullpen. And, they, and, you know, they all have. They've just given everything they can. They just ran out last night. The last thing he needed was four and two-thirds. Uh, great to see you, friend. Yeah, and actually, too. it's nice to talk to you where you're not on a golf course or something. Well, that's know? maybe later on. In the week. <laughs> What's the handicap down to now? No, it's yeah, still it's, be better. It's still not. It's still not where it needs to be. Are but I've been playing that? a little bit more. Been Are playing you buying a bit that? More. I, uh, it's inconsistent. How'd you shoot them in uh, in San Francisco when you took your sticks? When you took your sticks out there, I played pretty well at San yeah, Francisco. Did. That was pretty good. Okay. Although I couldn't putt, but that place was legit. That was a lot of fun. It's a nice spot about traveling. What was that? <laughs> I was just going to say. What was the toughest course you played on the road this year? San Fran Club was pretty that tough. Was, that was pretty yeah, tough. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was are tough are any of the people on the Red Sox, either radio or TV people that you would play with, are they any good? Like, are you the Will best Fleming's of pretty the good. bunch? Yeah, really? we're, we're probably pretty even, I would say. But a lot of guys in the team are legit. Like, Cutter Crawford's legit. I'm assuming that uh, – oh, Are those Will- guys playing, too, on there on the road? Oh, yeah. Really? Mixing around. And I'm assuming Will Fleming can't rent clubs. Martin's pretty good. Really he's good. so tall. Yeah. No, he has to bring his own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, because I mean, he's too tall. He can't yeah. just do the rentals that he's down here. <laughs> no, you can't. No way. It'll screw up your swing. It'll med- it, it, he'll end up with your back for oh, you. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother story. Playing with uh, normal-sized clubs. Uh, well, uh, I know we got some other folks coming up. Charlie Goyle's coming up with one. Great to see you, friend. You too, man. Good yep. seeing you, Goyle. Good stuff. There Always we go. Always a pleasure. Our friend. Uh, Keep doing great work, by the way. Uh, this is outstanding. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. It checks in the mail. <laughs> or or the next round's on dust. Let's put it that way.